the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 17 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this Friday morning, right during the weigh-in times. Almost everybody's weighed in, um, except for a couple in particular. Perhaps a, a, a play that I'm waiting on, so we'll see. We'll break that down as it happens. I got the window up here. My coffee's ready to go. My voice still sucks, uh, so... It's all worn out from another hellacious week. Um, so uh, I'm going to give you guys what I got. So that'll hopefully secure an expedited edition as per usual. We're going to recap the previous card very quickly. A couple notes off the top. Uh, and then we will start the breakdown from top to bottom. If you want to jump straight to that portion, you can, of course, check the timestamps and the notes. Uh, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, thanks for the five-star ratings and review, or the audio version up on YouTube, which will improve, uh, hopefully, if I have time for that over the break with thumbnails and such. But yes, you can subscribe there and help that measly count. Daniel, Tom, MMA, like this video if you're listening there. And again, timestamps for when that starts. And as always, whether it's expedited or not, you can further expedite this episode uh, as I offer my picks and plays recapped to you at the very end. So... Uh, with those formalities out of the way, um, I'm probably going to have to skip Amazon read-throughs this week and maybe next week since I already recorded that episode. Uh, I just don't want to take any more time and I don't have it pulled up. But uh, next week uh, for Christmas, I banked a uh, top five episode. Uh, my man Aaron Bronstetter, at Aaron Bronstetter, of course, of the TSN MMA show, who uh, I, one of the few podcasts I love and still uh, listen to in the MMA space, right? Um, he was kind enough to come on. We're gonna we did our top five uh, fighters. Uh, as you saw, we posted on Twitter fighters uh, you thought would become champion, but never quite did. Um, that'll be my holiday offering to you guys. Um, uh, as per usual, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I if you notice, I kind of gave up on my necky uh, awards uh, that I used to do here. One because. It kind of ran too close to a podcast that I, I enjoy, the Handies, Heavy Hands. And uh, two, they they already have an award show that's pretty awesome as far as like trying to do different stuff than the typical awards because I don't like that, for one. Um, so like they do a good job, so I want to give them a plug there, as well as Connor Rebush going to uh, have him on hopefully the beginning of the year. Uh, we're trying to work that out now. So long overdue to get him back on here uh, and, and want to send a plug their way. And as well as the previous mentioned show, if you're looking for award shows, again, I won't be offering that to you. Um, Aaron Bronstetter did an awesome one with an awesome panel. Again, go check out his podcast. Um, yeah, like Brian Campbell on there is always funny. Uh, Sean El Shadi, uh, my colleague uh, Mike, B- Mike Bond, Bad to the Bone. Uh, and Mark Ramundi there. A great award show. And, and again, I'm not good at that stuff anyways, folks. Like I'm contrarian Dan Tom here. 
uh, and nobody really cares to get my views on it. And uh, the dudes that I did have on my shows before uh, are great, Jim and Matt and Keith and all them. And if they wanted to get together, of course, I would I would never turn that down. But it, it just, man, everyone's got better things to do, man. <laughs> it's busy. It's holiday time. Uh, shout out to Jordan as well, of course, who I actually was going to have him on as well, but... It's yeah, man. It's crazy. It's holiday time. It's it's a crazy year for everybody. So I, I understand. Um, again, not playing uh not playing a violin, but uh, I I will say as I move on, I just just to kind of apologize, and I won't really get into it. But man, if, if there's a sense of tone, I think I had a really upbeat episode like a week or two ago. It was really fun. We had some nice nice you know pedophile forester going on. We had, we had the whole deal. Um, but uh, if if I seem a little downtrodden or not myself. Or you know those who interacted with me, uh, who's interacted with me lately, probably have seen that. I apologize. Um, just one of those things where it's like I hate people that just are like oh, depression is not. Hopefully this year has ended a lot of. I mean, you know, conspiracy theories and all the anti-mass stuff is higher than ever. But like hopefully this year like has ended a lot of um, the perceived fallacies of like mental health. Um, and how easily and important it is, uh, you know, and how easily it can be tampered even, you know, with the strongest minds and people, so to speak. But, yeah, man, I don't know what it is. Something about this time of year, maybe it's holidays, I'm not a holiday person. Uh, you know, my childhood was, wasn't the worst, but it wasn't normal. <laughs> For those who listen to the uh, Tourette's podcast there, but, like, part of the, uh, Tourette's isn't just, like, all the bullshit you see on, um, like, TV and the media, how it's portrayed, but, like, the real killer is the you know comorbidities uh, of it, uh, you know, uh, the depression, the OCD, ADD, and I know people that struggle with just kind of those individual can hopefully relate, and 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 hopefully it's not the same case with you, but like over the course of this year, it's kind of just it's kind of grown, um, and um, I was kind of living this pandemic lifestyle like years before, uh, as most of y'all know. Um, so you think that it should be easier for me in a certain case, but it just feels like it's kind of built up more. And yeah, around holiday time, man, I don't know if it's like, you know, year end stuff. Uh, and I'm not an awards guy, so it's weird. It's not even for like an ego thing, but like, you know, it's like that saying like, oh, this guy's not getting a Christmas card this year. And of course we've kind of gradually moved away from that with the internet and technology, uh, and things. But the theme behind that saying is like Christmas time is where you find out kind of who's included and who's not. And uh, from family, friends, or lack thereof, uh, relationships, or lack thereof, <laughs> a lot in my case. I, I don't know, maybe it's just those things, but this time of year, like, even when I'm, like, uh, like again, a couple weeks rolling strong, it just fucking creeps in, man. It's not a thing that, like, I'm actively pointing to, and, and most people who really do, you know, suffer uh, from those types of comorbidities will tell you the same. It, it's not a choice, believe me. <laughs> it's not a choice, Uh so um, I say this at the risk of now. I know people are going to – I'm not fishing for people to you know come in my DMs. You guys do that anyways because a lot of you are kind individuals and I don't deserve you. Um, and the people that are kind just blows me away. I'm not doing that for this reason. But I will repeat the message that I've repeated all year and that I've not heard people, podcasts, etc. repeated enough. Forget me for a second. Just think about those important people in your life and uh, like the real important people. And just make sure you reach out to them, even if they they, they seem like they're doing fine, and uh, and and whatnot, man. Because this time of year is is uh, is definitely hard. And if it's a hard time of year for you, my brothers and sisters, you know it's an extra special energy, internet fist bump, 
hug, and the DMs are extra open uh, to y'all. Um, anyways, we're going to push on here, but I uh, just wanted to say that, and we'll tie it off with a positive that um, any part that is ego-related, I'm, I'm, I've been quick to squash lately as my new mantra <laughs> is I'm more in the acceptance part of, of, of you know, if it was stages of grief, right? Like, um, and you kind of realize, like, you know, whatever that's, like, colleagues, friends, uh, people in the community or whatever, that like, oh, it's probably a coincidence uh, this person doesn't this or that. Like, uh, I, 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 oh, I think those subtweets are about me. And instead of being upset at that, like, I get it, actually. I get it. Like, I, I, I'd probably feel the same way toward me, too. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but as I push forward to why you're here, um, I, I just got to remind myself why I'm here is to offer, um, you know, the fight picks and the analysis, and you guys can use that as you will. And I just, I hope you guys do well off it. And um, I'm grateful for what I do have, man. Um, you know, again, maybe it's, you know, seeing the analytics and starting to pay attention to that stuff and the community, and, you know, all those things. It, it can be overwhelming and bum you out, but it can also make you forget about who you do have. And I'm so freaking grateful for the people who listen, who have shared, who have liked anything. Um, I don't deserve it, and man, you guys are freaking awesome. So thank you, and make sure you're looking out for yards this season. All right, needlessly long push through there. All right, uh, let's go. Let's see, is anyone else weighed in? No, well, looks like Brandon Fitzgerald's doing jujitsu with the uh, security team there. <laughs> Killing time. I'm watching the YouTube stream. Most of the fighters have uh, have weighed in. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I missed anything there, but uh, we're gonna recap really quickly. Uh, UFC 256 uh, went six and four overall, one and two in straight plays, two and two in props. Um, Davis and Figueiredo uh, defeated Brandon Moreno. Uh, no, it didn't defeat. It was a draw. Um, so he kept the title. Um, yeah, I scored it. Everyone was upset because it was just it was like the classic. Like again, I I think my early Khabib comparisons were correct. Because not only were you getting the typical, like, if you say anything negative about Figueredo, it's like, <laughs> shit's going to come at you. And I'm like, sweet, I'm dodging the bullet because I'm picking him this time. Because, again, folks, I normally do pick him. Uh, but uh, I was like, okay, people will be off my back. But then I started getting, like, crap from the Moreno fans. Like, like oh. and then I'd say something nice about Moreno. And then people were like, what about Figueredo? And I'm like, you guys are just child. Like, seriously, get your hands back on Figueredo's dick and leave me alone. <laughs> figgy scent uh, I'm sorry I'm not gonna continue to call him the figgy smalls that's like <laughs> the guy's a 50 cent fan it's like showing up to it's like showing up to uh, an exotic chef cook-off with macaroni and cheese and being called the souffle king. It doesn't make fucking sense. Uh, so Figgy Scent uh, retains the title. And again, I picked him by decision. Even even the people that were like, you know, on the Figueredo bandwagon, both legitimately and dick riders alike, all of them, everybody was like, nah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to go to decision. Like, even though, you know, the Figueredo camp is the same people that are, like, giving you crap if you question the man's gas tank, which I never did even when I picked against him for what it's worth. So, again, I'm keeping consistent here. And um, I, I thought Figueredo could, could could do enough for five rounds with the shape that he's been coming in and 
whatnot, and I just also thought that Moreno was going to be tough. Um, not going to be after the fact, but I, I do. The overs did save my ass, so hopefully you guys played it because, it, especially with the draw. Even though I don't, I agree with the point take, but I don't necessarily agree with the draw because I did score four rounds to one Figueredo. For what it's worth, they were very close. I could see a 3-2. I scored it 4-1. Not trying to die on that hill, just saying what I scored. Saw the night of. Have not gone back to rewatch. Um, but the point taking, um, you know, let's be real. I, I feel for you betters more than <laughs> most betters have hearts because the ones, especially the ones that don't listen to this show, the ones that do listen to this show, I seem to like, attract the, like, very few uh, <laughs> betters with empathy in, the, in their heart. Uh, but most, you know, don't give a shit, so it's kind of hard to sympathize for them. But I, I do, I do. That being said, let's be real. Most people getting mad kind of like, uh, uh, you know, Jason Herzog's clever tweet. It's like, how much did you lose, bro? How much did you lose? Um, going hard on Figueredo. Figgy schmoz. But Figgy Scent retains the title, as he as he should. Uh, Moreno gets respect, as he should. Put some respect on that name. Brandon Moreno. Fucking scrapping his ass off out there. Love that kid. Love that kid. Kid didn't want to fight. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I had to uh, you know, pump a little bit there. But uh, Charles Oliveira defeated Tony Ferguson. Talk about being wrong. Most wrong of the night. Um, Got to give props to Oliveira first and foremost. Props to the longtime Oliveira fans who, who are the ones that deserve to brag here, definitely. Uh, like the uh, MMA analysis guys. Uh, and props to uh, the few because even the hardcore fans – to everyone in between, to randos. Like, no one was calling it by decision, um, Oliveira. Let's be real. Uh, so I got to give credit to the person who kind of laid this out, even if he didn't outright say decision, I can't remember, but he had the best and most accurate breakdown pre-fight of the fight and of Oliveira, which is my man, Ben Khan, at Agent Ben 10. Sorry, I'm holding back a little bit of bit, but a little morning acidity. Uh, he had a, an excellent um, breakdown on the show. Shout out to the fight site, the fight uh, the fight site.com for having me on their pre-fight discussion for this matchup, um, which they're probably going to invite me off of uh, because, like, I I think I've been dead wrong on the main fights we've talked about. So, <laughs> but thanks to them, anyways. And Ben, not just with the the verbal breakdown, but he did a video breakdown and like kills it out of the gate doing this Charles Oliveira breakdown and his grappling styles and like really fundamental stuff that actually came into play and was apropos to the night. So man, got to give credit where credit's due. It's, but boy, does it suck for me, for, for Tony, Tony mainly obviously, but Tony fans, right? Um, contrarian, contrarians like myself or, or Sean El Shadi. I always give Sean even... <laughs> Even though when he mentions people in the media, he only mentions himself and 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 <laughs> doesn't mention me. It's all good. Um, I, I don't blame a lot of my colleagues who I respect for not mentioning me. Uh, but I always give credit where credit's due because regardless how people feel of me, I, man, I I will always give credit where credit's due, and I'm a big fan of Sean. Uh, by the way, he did an awesome had an awesome conversation with uh, Fernanda Prentice on Best Camp of My Life. Go check out that podcast. Wow, Dad, you wonder why your stuff sucks because you're too busy plugging uh, other people. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we've been long time stands of, of Tony and me more for the technical side. And even though it became less confident over the years, I felt like he was a very being very underrated in his chances, whether or not he could have beat Khabib, right? And now, and I don't blame anybody for doing it, but it, it's like null and void because one, it probably wasn't going to happen anyways. 
Uh, so let's be honest. But two, it's like now you just see that. And it, to add insult to injury, to see the guy get dominated by a guy who is normally known for quitting, you know. And the classic Danton being wrong here. Um, guy I support sh- sh- not only shows up at his worst, but guy I go against not only shows up at his best, but shows up against type. Like that is just the classic just twisted in year analysis sucks, Dan. Um, and so does your horses. Um, and yeah, my, my dark horse is down for the count in uh, Tony Ferguson. And another thing that I hate too, aside from like, which this wasn't the case of like super technical process guy and then just getting outdone by the bare minimum athletic moments, um, which is like, you know, my, my pet peeve for losing. Like, ah, oh, it's the worst way for me to lose, at least personally. My least favorite way. Uh, but like it was, um, oh, and my under didn't even go. Cause I was like, oh, okay, well, if Oliveira will win, it'll go. And, and I'm like, ah, damn it, Tony, you could have, you could have saved your arm and saved us some of bets there. Even do Bronx betters probably feel me there, whether they would have been it or not. Cause I know a lot of people always hit the sub and the inside, the distance and yada, yada. Cause again, even Oliveira people were like not picking it by decision. Right. And, um, and yeah, I, I know I, I took some shit for talking about Tony's gate, and, and I did kind of, despite my support for Tony, um, I did suspect that it was weird. We were seeing a lot of it more over the last two years of him rehash old training footage of anything where he's moving impressively. And any of the other stuff, his kind of gait and his general movement seemed a bit slower. I wasn't sure how much to read into it. Clearly, I should have read into it more. Um and, uh, and yeah, I guess what I was rounding out to is one of my other things I hate is when the easy take ends up being right. And nothing wrong with it. I mean, oftentimes it is Occam's razor, right? Um, but just the, hey, he has one bad performance. He's washed. Like, I, I hate that. And uh, this is, you know, it validates all those people, whether they were just in taking it or not just educated or even took a time to have the opinion or just shelled it out or, or not. It didn't matter because they're right, they right and I'm wrong. Uh, and all the previous conversations and audacities on how I could even give Tony a shot against Khabib since 2016 or whenever I've been talking about it and breaking it down, uh, all those people, you know, come back to my face and be like, oh, see your boy, you know, and it's just like, oh, great. So, um, yeah, and it's just one of those typical things of, uh, uh, at least me and a uh, shout out to Phil McKenzie, uh, gave him his due on top five unluckiest fighters because, boy, were we ahead of the even more ahead of the curve on that one because, boy, does he really seal the book on that, man. He probably would have moved to number one if we would have recorded that podcast after UFC 256. But that's enough on the Tony Ferguson obituary. Got to give props to Charles Oliveira and not let it take away from him. Um, but let's not pretend that, again, this is a case of old guy burnout, young guy gets it. Like, Oliveira has had more miles on him, UFC miles than Tony. That's the crazy part here. But those Brazilian anomalies, man, those Brazilian anomalies, he's like those RDAs and these other guys, they just have these renaissances. Maybe Aldo will talk about him. Mackenzie Dern defeated uh, Verna Janadroba. Not much to say there. Kevin Holland defeated Ronaldo Souza. Very depressing, uh, but happy for Holland. Um, Cyril Gane defeated Junior Dos Santos. The over barely got over by a couple seconds. We got lucky, and then I was immediately saddened because uh, what JDS has become. Uh, even though I, I ended up... Uh, playing old Pineda inside the distance um, and ate that bet, I was happy to be wrong because Cub Swanson is the man and he was the only old guy to survive. Um, ended up playing Fiziev the way my night was going and the way his line was trending, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I definitely feel for the Moicano betters. I don't think you're crazy. I'm definitely not going to victory lap and that one. Uh, I feel for you. Like, it just made sense. And I feel for Moicano because I hate – this is one case where I hate being right, like – 
I could be victory lapping here because I've had these suspicions about him. Um, and now it's paid off for the third time in a row. But I hate being right because I, I want the best for people, man, whether I'm, I'm, I'm against them or not. Same way I say to you guys, I generally want you guys to do well. Um, so that sucks. Gavin Tucker defeated Billy Quarantil. Billy Quarantine lost during the pandemic. I know. That was a bad sign of things to come, was it not? As much as that sucked, uh, I'm still a Billy Quarantine guy. I don't want to be one of those, you know, bandwagon hoppers. And um, even though I don't want to be revisionist history, I always I was one of the early bandwagon guys for Gavin Tucker, uh, one of the few Tottenham uh, pre-UFC. Um, it just I just thought that the injuries, layoffs, and beatings uh, changed him. You know, again, everyone can overlook that now. But they'll be the first to bring it up for a guy like Tony. Like it's just, it's not, it's it's not an exact science. Like to pretend that we know is silly. We have to wait for these fights to happen. Um, and uh, boy, did I uh, <laughs> did I eat it from the betting side on betting on what would happen, right? Uh, Tisha Torres defeated Sam Hughes. Uh, good on Torres. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to a clarification of Sam Hughes on what went down there. Um, but yeah, it was a really odd choice by Cormier in the commentary. I don't know what he was trying to get at there. Chase Hooper defeated Peter Barrett. <laughs> uh, that was one of the ones where you assume your guy lost uh, that you picked, and then like you, you're doing stuff around the house. You're like, oh, you won? What the hell? At least that was my experience. So that wraps that. Um, probably spent too much longer than I wanted to spend. Let's jump to UFC oh, Vegas 17. UFC Fight Night 183, I guess. UFC on ESPN Plus 41. UFC Thompson versus Neil. Um, all right. So we're going to go from top to bottom. We've got Jeff Neal minus 120. Stephen Thompson plus 100. Uh, a bit of a last-minute shift-up. So there is no write-up this week. Uh, MMA Junkie. But as I'm speaking to you, video breakdowns are up on the MMA Junkie YouTube channel. For both this fight, the main event, and the co-main event, if you want to check that out there. My man, Abby uh, Subban, does a great job. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to have him, as well as Kenny, for our, our video, Small But Super Team. Uh, very grateful for those guys and the work they do. Go check that out. Um, also, instead of the written, I got some um, Romero Rumble analysis coming out for Junkie you can keep an eye out for. All right, uh, yeah, they opened at uh, Pick'em and uh, let the uh, public do what they will, and it seems like both the public and the odds makers are just on the trend, which is an age-old trend, but one that's been fruitful of late. I know I give, this is probably why, like, so many people in the, the betting community uh, don't like me. <laughs> I think I've made fun of the, the, you know, made fun of the trend of fading old guys too much or jerking off hype fighters. They're just like, <laughs> uh, and, you know, they take me too seriously uh, instead of, you know, God forbid. Looking at ourselves and laughing a bit. Um, I guess it helps when you're like me and you got a lot to laugh at when you look in the mirror. But, you know, don't do it too much, folks, but it's healthy. It's healthy. But, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's a fruitful trend, though. You know, say what you will. Joke about it what you will. Uh, like I just recapped on the card, aside from Cubby, uh, it's been a fruitful trend. So maybe that's what's going to happen with Stephen Thompson. I Shoot, you know, he's one of the few guys I had never picked against before, and I picked against him despite my Kepo Karate bias and my technical eye bias and my Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, you know, the fan in me bias or whatever bias you want to lay. I picked against him in the Vicente Luque, but it was because of leg kicks and uh, perhaps the chin, but, you know, Wonderboy took some hard shots, answered the call, 
leg kicks still don't seem to be bothering the guy. Um, you know, even when they do, like in the Dada and Till fight, uh, he's got the poker face and then waits to the end to limp. Um, same with his hands, you know, broke both of his hands again, but he's had time to heal. The Darren Till fight, one and one against UFC Southpaws, the loss comes to Till, but I don't really think he lost that fight. Can't make a big argument because neither did much. And um, the, it, people forget, uh, Thompson was kind of talked into a quick turnaround. He only had one hand. He freshly broke his hand off of a, a Jorge Masvidal fight. So he was like a one-handed bandit in there. Um, so it's a real tricky. Could he fall off the cliff and get knocked out? Yeah. But if he doesn't, uh, I think he pulls away. I went back to watch all of Jeff Neal's stuff, and I think the small cage is going to help him because Thompson, despite those fight night cards, has never fought in the size of the cage that they'll be fighting in the apex. It's going to help Neal who it gets overlooked for his offensive grappling and wrestling, which I think is going to have play. One, strategically, because of the small cage, you know, um, even though getting Thompson on the ground is harder and corralling him is obviously going to be hard and harder than it seems. But in theory, yeah, you want to get the striker on his back. And Neil's got really nasty elbows and um, good, good, good top transitions. Uh, he did a lot in his earlier career. Uh, secondly, even if it's not a part of his plan, which saves Saeed's in his corner, so I think that's going to be good. We've seen people that have done the best. We've had strategists from Duke Rufus to Din Thomas in their corner, right? Probably no coincidence. So safe Saeed, definitely good if you're a Neil supporter here. Um, but when going back to watch Neil's fights, like whether it was the Kevin Holland fight and he's dealing with length in his amateur career or his more relevant fights, like against Nico Price, where he's not that technical, but he's long and he can competently counter, um he looked really uncomfortable. So against a long guy with better footwork and better, some of the best counter competency of all divisions, I feel like if Neil doesn't get set a tone he likes right away, I think he's going to be real uncomfortable in space and that's going to force him to either close the distance and blitz, which will either work for him or won't, or uh, it'll make him close the distance and level change and shoot, which will see if it works right away, and if it doesn't, I feel like that's going to take his confidence away. More so than a dedicated wrestler who is okay maybe with failing because they know they're going to eventually get to their game, right? Um, so I don't like that. Um, the pressure cooker on paper may bow badly for Thompson, but thematically, stylistically, from what I'm seeing, I think it could bow badly for Neil. I think it's going to make him, even if he wants to come in more measured, that is the game plan. I think it's going to make him uh, more urgent. And for that reason, I feel like the under is the most potent play here. It only went up to minus 150. I don't want to say only because you don't see it you get too high, even popular totals, right? So I don't want to get too out of hand with my wording here. But uh, I did get it at minus 140, which isn't much cheaper. But still, I feel valuable. Plus money would have been great for an under, right? But um, as my man Dan Levy on the Line Movement MMA betting show said, that's the uh, total with the most percentages to hit, the under 4.5 obviously makes sense so uh, I, I i don't feel bad about it here i feel like whether you're playing neil at which is playable chalk minus 120 if you're a big believer in him um or you're playing thompson for the plus money at plus 100 i feel like pairing up to for an added bonus or a possible hedge coverage pairing up your straight money line play with that under is going to do well so the under is probably my most confident of this card um and I paired it up with a Thompson play of plus 102, 7.5, and that took the under 1.5 at minus 140. Take a sip of coffee.
Jose Aldo minus one fifty, Marlon Chido Vera plus one thirty. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I, I don't blame people taking the dog here. I don't want to say it's dog or pass because it's a playable line for Aldo, which looks like people are. He's already went up from minus one forty to minus one forty five that he's been settling at. I think because he made weight. Um, I wasn't really worried about him making weight. You could say he looked frustrated, but he's looked way worse on the scale. He was walking fine, urgent, cognitively balanced. I liked it. Uh, and again, he's been looking like he's been keeping a low weight on his IG. So that didn't surprise me so much. Of course, we all know Marlon Vera is a professional and he keeps himself in shape year around. Um, so him coming in shape is no surprise. Marlon Vera, you know, uh, like Brett Alpe, shout out for the get to the guest there on the uh, betting show. Uh, like he said, you know, he's going to be a favorite by round three. But early on, eh, the favorite's going to be Aldo, right? Um, but Marlon Vera's never been finished, so if Aldo doesn't get him out of there, he could be in trouble, gas himself out. Um, but it's not even so much gassing, it's pockets in, uh, t- of time to recoup, which is why I picked builders like Max Holloway against him. Um, and uh, even though uh, and Vera's not the same type of builder, he does pick up late, and he rips the body, right? He's got those similarities, which are key. Uh, thematically to Holloway as it poses to Aldo. Um, however, body work's going to be a potent two-way street, folks. Uh, don't forget, like, durable guys like Jeremy Steven who went down from the body work. A lot of these durable guys can go down from the body. And Marlon Vera's defenses improve, but the improvements that he makes is he just does a high shell and guard. Um, and that opens up the body. And it's usually not so much of a problem because he's usually uh, the body reaper ripping there. But he's going against Jose freaking Aldo, man. Uh, this guy's obviously more technical in all aspects. He'll be the better wrestler. I only see Vera getting takedowns if Aldo is hurt and or tired come the third round. Other than that, um, I don't. I, I only. I see Aldo controlling the grappling. The body work when he cut when you cut down in weight makes guys more weak to the body. I've said that a bunch of times. I'm pretty positive. I even said that prior to Aldo's fight with Peter Yan, where we saw. That body, weak, right? That is definitely worrisome. However, I would argue, Aldo picked up the pack, man, and, and won a round and a half after and looked great and was competitive. Um, I really like that. Um, I feel like the worry is the let-me-down spot here against Vera, but again, you you can't cut corners to get down to this weight, and it looks like, at least from the training, and, and he made it to the scale, it looks great that you know his body from his body, he ain't taking Vera lightly. So I'm going to take Aldo here. I think that if he doesn't get the finish, he can still survive what will probably be a sketchy third round. Um, all props to Vera. Good luck to Vera betters if you if you get this one. Um, I love Vera and Team Oyama, but uh, I'm, I'm on Aldo here. Uh, I'm not on him. I haven't played him yet. Maybe not if the line keeps going up. Maybe I missed my opportunity, but um, I'll probably sprinkle. Good luck, though. Uh, Michelle Pajeda minus 125 Chaos Williams plus 105 Williams looks really great on the scale looks tighter than he did before maybe he just packs on a lot of weight and then his muscles look saggy on fight night not shit on a guy who looks fucking like a dime piece and bred my ass but I'm, 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 I gotta judge with a fine fine comb and I'm saying that the guy is looking more tighter as his competitions happen in the UFC good sign good sign um Initially, he was leaning toward Williams. Maybe it was the plus money. Maybe it was just those impactful counter punches. He looked cleaned up. We just didn't get to see a lot of it. But if, you know, in his last fight, he looked tighter, was finishing with a jab. And I think I even called it in my tweets where I was like, oh, he's baiting that leg kick. He's going to bait him back with it now. And then sure enough, because I was like, oh, it's smart. He's kicking the guy uh, who leg kicks, right? Justin Gaethje to uh, Edson Barbosa, et cetera. 
But what that also does is it makes them want to kick back for ego, and now you know when they're going to kick back instead of having that um, worry, some anticipation for it. Now you're setting the tone with it, and you're ready. And Chaos Williams kicked him, knowing that he was going to get him to kick back, and he had his right hand ready. So maybe he knocks out Pajeda, but Pajeda, maybe it's the karate in him. He is a really good striking defense, not just by the stats, which I really go by, but if you really watch him, he gauges distance really well, which is why he's comfortable doing really stupid stuff. Um, but uh, I think he's the better wrestler and jiu-jitsu guy, even though he doesn't use it as much as I'd like. Uh, Chaos Williams looks like he uses it accidentally. Like, when he goes for takedowns, they're an accident because he was throwing himself out of positions and punches. And when he was getting on top doing good work on the regional scene with ground and pound, it was because the other guy was shooting on him and it was a messy scramble and he just ended up on top. So it's hard to get, you know, get high on his wrestling um, or anything like that. Uh, so uh, basically both these guys are going to fuck up. It's hard to make that decision there. It's just Chaos Williams' fuck-ups are going to be really basic and unimpressive. And Michelle Pajeda's um, fuck-ups are going to be very grandiose but really freaking stupid. So... If this goes long, like I think it might be, the judges may award really fucking stupid. And he's got a better gas tank as well than Chaos Williams, who is a is a pocket burst fighter as well. So I'll go Pajeda, but nothing, no totals. Nothing is confident. Uh, next fight, um, Marlon Moraes versus Rob Font. Did Rob Font even hit the scales yet? I don't even know. Um, Marlon Moraes minus 150, Rob Font plus 130. I'm picking Font here, and, uh, and I'm going to play him. But, uh, sorry, I'm going to be scrolling through my timeline as I talk to see if you waited. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's like, again, but the Aldo and pocket, uh, cardio, you know, conspiracy, uh, example. I used to think for, based on following from the WSOF that Mon Morais was better built for five rounds than people gave it credit for, but that's proven to be untrue. And from chin to gas tank, it really seems to be falling apart. And I know he's, he's in camp changes, um, even for like the Aldo fight, he actually used uh, on fight week, used the meal prep service that I, I use on a week to week basis. So he's, he's been, um, trying to make these steps to come in lighter and improve his cardio. But I just think it's one of those genetic things where, you know, he, uh, it's one of those genetic things where he, um, sorry, I'm getting a sip here. I don't know if he can help it. And Rob Font, he's not a builder in the sense of Max Holloway, but he's been putting up massive numbers. He, he doesn't gas out. You don't have to worry about with him. And he's not as diverse as a striker as a Corey Sanhagen. But I really like what he's doing with the feints, man, and um, the length. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big problem for Marais. Uh If Rob Font, you know, I found out it was a complete knee replacement. I thought it was just a basic surgery, so that's a bit worrisome. But he looks to be moving around okay. Even though he got up to 160s, it wasn't. I don't think it was that credibly high. He's a naturally bigger bantamweight, and he looks like he's in good shape. Interviews got the weight in point. Uh, like the way he's moving, he's been getting the pandemic experience, even though not fighting because he's been cornering and going through all these protocols. So that won't be new. And I have a sneaky suspicion that Font will be these one of these fighters who um, fight better in the crowdless era. I mean, if you look at two of his three worst performances, it's hard to see the Sun Sao. That fight never should have been made. A Sun Sao was on his peak and on his fourth time or whatever, getting screwed over for a title shot. Uh, and stylistically bad fight offers counters that Marlon Vera won't. 
in the punching and wrestling department. Of course, uh, Marlon Vera. Marlon Moraes won't. Of course, Marlon Moraes is one of the best counter kickers in the game. But it's a different kind of counter striker. Um, and the other two was Lineker and Pedro Munoz. And both those were in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Remember when they had crowds, folks? Uh, and he's not going to have to be dealing with that. And he admitted to those performance anxieties. Um, so I think he actually is going to do well in a small cage. It's going to force the action, which is going to mean that Marais is going to be probably a first-rounder bust, which means even if you're not feeling me, I think you should leave the door open for live betting opportunities if that's what you do, if that's what your book offers. Um, because even if Marais is a good round, I think that he'll make Font live if he survives. Um, it's just how is his leg going to take those leg kicks uh, with the knee? You know, which knee is it? Is Marais going to target it? How well will he be able to get it with Font's distancing and feints? Font's game really seemed to tie together once his defensive grappling caught up. And I was really proud of the call and his performance on his uh, fight against Ricky Simon. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to take Font here. Um, kind of worried that he, you know, for his way in. That's why I'm looking to scroll to see if uh, he uh, he weighed in. Tyler Santos weighed in, looks like, since I've been talking. Um, let's see, let's see if... Greg Hardy, Jabora, we'll talk about them. Um, yeah. Yep, I don't know. I don't think he's weighed in yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he already weighed in. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna take Font here, uh, plus one thirty. Um, I think I did half or three quarter. I think I did half. I don't know. I, I think I did half with maybe I might might throw more live. Um, yeah. Next fight: Greg Hardy minus one twenty five, Marcin Tibura plus one hundred five. Um, oh, I hate picking this fight. Uh, this is only the second time I'm picking against Hardy. I'm not classic like. Uh, I'm going to pick Hardy just because he's a trash human. Like I, I try to do my best to just keep it to the analysis here, uh, even though I clearly do have my opinions, right? But this isn't based on my opinion of him, right? Um, he, you know, uh, finally got another knockout again, which was good. But, you know, granted, it was against Maurice Green, who kind of, like, knocks himself down, right, when he throws strikes. Uh, not trying to take away from anything. It was actually a nice lead hand uppercut, and uppercuts are going to be the operative word um, Marcin Tibura, he keeps his left hand now glued, which is great. It's great when you're going against a right-hand heavy guy like Greg Hardy. However, it doesn't protect against that shell. doesn't protect against an uppercut. So Greg Hardy, for you Greg Hardy supporters, the uppercut is going to be the shot to look for here. Uh, the most live against Tibura, who's probably going to be looking at level change. Um, I, I've, I've been all over the place on Tibura. I've been trying to fade him. He looked like he was just trash. He looked like he was getting bigger each time out, like he was fading out. Um, I thought he was going to be much better, even though I was one of the few who picked uh, Timmy Big Dick Johnson to beat him and cash that underdog money back at UFC Zagreb. Um, but uh, I, I still didn't like think low to Bora just over time. Now he's hit like this renaissance, and he might be. I don't know if he's going to be on a Jan Blakovich kick, but you know, Polish power. He's been taking pictures next to his doctors, coincidentally, doing the old doctor change up. I know I give a shit to Brazil, but Poland does a lot of that too. Jan may or may not have been doing that around this uh, run, you know, taking pictures, changing up the doctors, you know, working closer to home. Uh, Jesus, Dan. Um, but yeah, and Tabora, you know, he, he always has an awkward shape to him. I think that's just how he is, but he's looking in better shape, even on the scales this morning. Um, and he's got the grappling that he's going to sell out for. Um, he's got a 
you know, he, he has shown that he can tire in the third round when he if he is grappling heavy. But I don't think he's got to worry about that here against Greg Hardy, who is going to have a better gas tank because Greg Hardy uses his inhaler and um, was gassing hard even in a win. Now, he did go to Denzel with Volkov. That was just a weird outlying fight for both, really. So I'm being really careful to put too much weight into it, but I don't want to be unfair. You have to acknowledge that. Uh, however, more often than not, the guy is tired, questionable, and doing questionable things. I think something will open up for Tabora. He gets the mount, or he gets us to the ground just once. He is one of the few heavyweights who can take mount and take back and ride a guy who turtles up. So for that alone, um, give me Tabora for all his experience. You're going to put plus money on there. Even if you're a Greg Hardy guy, um, you gotta you you got to respect that the line is close for a reason here. So I'm taking the dog in the heavyweight fight. Um, I put half a unit on Tabora, which probably means Hardy will win. So thank me, Hardy supporters. Jillian Robertson slowly moved to a favorite, even though it was pretty much pick em odds, I believe, when it opened. Minus 115, Tyler Santos, minus 105. Another weird sample size she has with Mara Romero Borella. Um, Robertson actually opened as a dog. Grats, you got that. I mean, I don't want to say grats because she didn't win, but one thing with Robertson is she will fight for your money. Um, the elbows and those things from Macy Barber, perhaps that could happen here. Because on paper, you can make an ex. Uh, the argument that both women are, are bad matchups. You know, Tyler Santos, the Muay Thai, purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mainly Muay Thai because her father is a Muay Thai teacher. She was raised with it, you know, athletic. Maybe she's got those knees and elbows if she can get Julian Robertson off of her hips and stay off the ground. She's got some mean stuff for her in the clinch. That'll turn the tide. However, an active, aggressive wrestler really works well from the single that's going to make her balance and take away that base. Um, like Jillian Robertson's likes to work from, both the diving half guard from Damian Maya style to her single chains. I really like that. I like that she showed the discipline to do, you know, the Chucky Olives, and so I can go three rounds with my jiu-jitsu. Uh, and I also like that at the end of it, she wasn't happy with it. She was really disappointed that she killed her 100% finish rate. So you know that she's going to be going for a finish, do or die. So I didn't take the money line. I actually just took uh, Jillian Robertson. Um inside the distance at plus 250 i put a half unit on that and maybe fight doesn't go to decision minus 145 it's chalky but maybe you could cash on that santos isn't the biggest finisher but if you're go if, if, according to my logic it slash jillian robert's own logic if she's going out there and being do or die uh going for the finish that means she's probably going to be do or die and she seems to be that kind of fighter um However, I just feel like Tyler Santos, like she could be winning and defending takedowns and she may just fall into the guard anyways with the kind of style fighter she is. So I got Robertson here. You don't got to follow me off the cliff on the play, but that's the angle I'm taking is Robertson inside the distance plus 250. Anthony Pettis minus 230. Alex Moreno plus 190. This line was tighter earlier in the week. I think we're all a bit hesitant to pick Pettis. Moreno showed a, a strong pace in his last fight um, and he comes from Fortis MMA. A, respected camp, a game planning camp, and a camp that produced uh, a win over Pettis and Carlos Diego Fajeda uh, not too long ago. So perhaps that's where our heads were. But when you go back and look at it, uh, Morono, you know, he still has pace. He's, you know, he still can get tired. Even in that fight, it was the low blow that arguably saved him. And that, that, that whole mouthpiece debacle in the ring was able to, he was able to catch his breath because it looked like the tide was actually shifting in that fight. We forget about that. Right. And then two, you look at Pettis's fights and you poke holes, but with that interview he did where he's coming out about the alcohol, marijuana abuse, and all these things, and depression, and all, 
Like, it kind of makes sense. Like, you look at his weight and stuff, he was ballooning. Like, again, a guy who pay attention to the IG and where they're at. Um, like, yeah, Pettis was carrying some extra weight on the 155 and 170. Uh, whereas this, he's looking in better shape than his 55 camps coming in for a 170 fight, uh, which tells me that, you know, could he shit the bed? Of course he can. Um, right? Uh, but at the same time, like, it, his body ain't lying. It was with the Aldo thing. That that body, the body's not lying. That's for damn sure. Um, so I think that other people feel the same way, which is why Pettis has been bumped back up um, to parlay piece material, which parlay piece and Pettis does not go together. Um, so I, I am hesitant to say that, um, and which is also why I've not played anything on, this, on that fight. Um, but I think uh, Pettis is going to get something going with his kicks um, and then going to draw Morono probably into a counter right hand. Good on Morono if he can get it. He just got a second degree on his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. But uh, I don't know if he's got the same r grappling, wrestling as third degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Uh, Carlos Diego Fajardo. Let's see. Carl Roberson, minus 255, is not going to be fighting. Wow. Dolce La Jambula still made weight, though. Boy, did that guy look fucking... Whew. I mean, Rogan would have been like, move over, check Congo. You know what I'm saying? That guy. Ooh. Easy, Dan. Uh Sajara Eubanks, 160. Barely made weight there on that. Against Panny Keans at plus 140. Um, oh, maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, I always forget how, uh, how uh, not trying to be creepy, how much of a good-looking lady Panny Keans is. I'm going to go Panny Keans here. Well, Dan, that was really sexist, wasn't it? That's not the reason uh, she looked much better on the scales, um, health-wise. Health like what I saw from Sarge there. Uh, Sarge will have the ground advantage here. Look for her to score takedowns, and that's probably why she's fa that's why she's favored. But uh, if Kanzad can keep that short up um, and on the feet, I do think she's the better boxer with the better volume, the better athlete, the better stronger, uh, and bigger fighter. Um, but no plays there. That's an avoid. Uh, Antonio Arroyo minus one sixty five. Darren Wynn plus one forty five is going to be an avoid till seeing him on the scales. Darren Wynn did not look confident that he was going to hit the 194.5 mark for a 195 pound catch weight which is very troubling it's very troubling that he's even fighting at that weight and the matchmakers are doing the old classic like okay we're gonna give you fucking brazilian luke rockhold here and antonio arroyo again all of 6-3 borderline 6-4 southpaw it's gonna make him feel even longer in there and uh i don't know if darren win you know, I know he came up in AKA, but I don't know when the last time he was able to train with Luke Rockhold because that's uh, who this guy is, essentially. Um, but who knows who he is because he's super young. He's been training with high-level camps, and we haven't seen him in almost a year. Um, and Darren Wynn doesn't have good enough control game, much less submission or strikes. And if a guy like Muniz, who I've been telling you all about, warning you all about, played him there, played uh, Cash Muniz twice as an uh, underdog, um, if Muniz wasn't able to submit him, uh, that says a lot because Muniz is legit. I mean, you want to buy again third degree Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. There's one of the few in the proud right there, Andre Muniz. Um, so I got Antonio Arroyo here in whatever form he shows up. It was funny after Darren Wynn weighed in, he walked by Arroyo and Arroyo did the double take like, I'm fighting that guy? I thought that was a child. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. All right, moving on. Tafon and Chukwi. Oh my God, minus 350. Jamie Pickett plus 290. Um, didn't take this one. This feels like a trap fight, but I'm taking Tafon as a uh, as uh, I did on the Lime MMA betting show. Shout out to Co-host Dan. Uh, of course, I was wearing my uh, <laughs> my Thick Willie sweater. Who you beat Thick Willie by the way, Tafon? Uh, my Christmas sweater, 
with that with that thick dude on the on, on there, and I just pointed at that for my pick. <laughs> and I just love how even those two black dudes fighting each other, Dan knew exactly what I was talking about. I got Taff on here. Uh, Christos Yago steps in minus three twenty five for a catch weight uh, against Carlton minus plus two fifty. I actually watched him Carlton minus last night. Um, he reminds me of Sean Spencer, man. He's like the poor man Sean Spencer. Remember him? Uh, I was just talking about him. He lost to Mike Powell this fight night that Thompson fought on uh, that I was at. And Christos Yagos looks like he been, he's been with the UFC this whole time since his last loss, and he's been asking for a short nose opportunity in shape since August. So he looked good on the scale. So at first I was like, why the hell is he at minus 325? Or did he open at minus 325? And he did. But I could see why. He should win. He should win this. It's funny. He's probably, ironically, one of the more comfortable parlay pieces in comparison to Tafon or Pettis, and he took this fight on three days' notice. Like, that kind of tells you about this card. Like, I'm just sticking to straight plays, which my last one, of course, I'm still going to take a shot on Cody Durden. Uh, I waited till to see what, what the weigh-ins, uh, but it looked like if anybody had a hard, harder time making weight, it was Flick, um, who looked kind of, like, off, but he kind of is kind of kind kind of of a goofier dude, right? And I'm not hating on Flick. I, he's one of the few guys who got an A-plus on my grading the winner's take. Um, but I wrote about that breakdown at linemovement.com uh, on that fight, again, for, for the second time, so I don't want to get into it too much. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm going to take Durden here. I, I just think he's the better MMA wrestler and the better striker. And if he didn't, if he can survive the first round, you know, it's another live betting. If you're not uh, completely on board, maybe a live betting uh, opportunity uh, or to either hedge, play, or buy your way out of a flick bet if it's not going your way and he fails on his submissions in round one. Um, so, uh, I took Durden. So, uh, recapping, taking Thompson over Neil, taking, uh, Aldo over Vera, taking Pajeda over Williams, taking Font over Marais, taking Tibuda over Hardy, taking Robertson over Santos. <laughs> Sorry, Jillian Robertson's giggles and her, even her key eyes are like, <laughs> they're going to make, uh, some creepy dudes happy. All right, Dan, move on. Taking, uh, Robertson over Santos. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Taking Bettis over Morona. Taking, uh, uh, Kianzad over Eubanks, taking Ahoyo over Wynn, taking Nchukwi over Pickett, taking Yagos over Minus, taking Durden over Flick, no parlays, took Thompson at three quarters of a unit, took uh, Durden half a unit plus 132, took uh, Tabora plus 102, uh, half a unit, took Arroyo minus 160 for a unit, uh, props took Thompson. Neil under 4.5 minus 140, 1.5 units at Roberts inside the distance plus 250.5 units. Avoid Kansas Eubanks, Williams, Bejeda, and Tafon Pickett. Uh, hit up mixedmartialanalyst.com for the click throughs on, on it, uh, on your audit purchases or Amazon purchases. I really appreciate those. It really does help. Uh, if you really even want to be above and beyond, you can click the PayPal link since this is free, will be free, continue to be free here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Or just give it a like, share, uh, at the PYM podcast, follow on social platforms, really helps. I won't spam your feed, at Dan Tom MMA to find me and my content. Again, Daniel Tom MMA for the YouTube channel to subscribe to, if you can help me there, uh, we would really appreciate it. Apologies for just being all over the places I usually am, and, uh, you know, just, I've not been me lately, or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, uh, I, I apologize, it's, uh, no one's fault but mine I just uh, and I appreciate you guys I genuinely wish you guys well this holiday season I genuinely even if you're against me uh, I'm not petty like that uh, you know I genuinely wish you luck on your picks and plays and always protect your nest.